Hello guys, welcome to Speak Film. Uh, I know it's been a while. I've been busy in terms of uh, watching film and, and writing about films. Um, and uh, just welcome back. And today I want to talk about Parasite. Now, Parasite uh, came out in 2019, directed by Bong Joon-ho. One of the masters, uh, one of the modern masters of cinema today. And Parasite is what cinema is all about, you know. Hitchcock would have loved the movie. It stays one head. It stays one step ahead of the audience. Uh, it definitely kept me guessing the first time I watched it. Only thing I kind of suspected was that suspected was that uh, the first nanny would not go so easily, and that Jessica, uh, played by Park So Dam, would be hired as the art teacher. Now. Uh, the Park So Dam character, uh, uh, Jessica, she might be my favorite character. She really creates her character and persona, and she sticks to it and is consistent. Uh, the movie goes places I did not expect, and it avoids cliches. Uh, for example, the Kevin character, Kiwoo, he forms a romantic relationship with his student, but it's not what the movie is about, you know. And then later he reads her diary, and we suspect what if her parents read her diary and learned their secret. Sure, these are interesting and suspenseful secrets, but the movie goes to these places and beyond. Uh, it's nothing short of a masterpiece. I think also to make a great double or, or triple feature with Burning, uh, directed by Lee Chang Dong, and, and The Lower Depths, uh, directed by Akira Kurosawa. I had a fun time watching Parasite at uh, Bowtie Cinemas in Bronxville. I think it was the last day, last showing, 1.20 p.m. Um, Parasite in 2019 was also the winner of the Palm Door. Uh, my favorite scenes are when Jessica dumps peaches on the first nanny's face as they fight. <laughs> the family, the the both of the poor families fight for the phone. I just howled and laughed. Uh, this whole sequence is amazing because it means much more than what you're seeing. Two similarly poor families fight for status, fight to keep their financial freedom quote-unquote, and proximity to the wealthy, while, of course, the rich don't care. And it's also a fun sequence, and, and, and the action is fantastic and suspenseful. Uh, and so many great lines of dialogue, too. For example, the rich mother, she tells the second nanny about her son seeing a ghost and how the father said a ghost in the house brings wealth. Another line of dialogue of, or phrase I really liked was belt of trust. Um... The film does a fun job of showing the process of the family infiltrating the home and infiltrating the wealthy, infiltrating wealth, uh, essentially. It also represents the generation age cap of sister, brother, and their parents. Uh, the kids can forge documents using computer programs, and their parents have to be coached on their scripts if they want to work for the rich. Um, it's a different skill set that's needed today. <laughs> I don't think the family anticipated or they underestimated what they were going to learn from the rich. Uh, they didn't see certain things coming. For example, the dad overhearing that the rich father thinks he has a subway smell and the dad is played by Song Kang-ho and he's brilliant as usual in it. Um, the dad realizes I'm still the other. You know, He'll never be wealthy or seen as one of them. You know, No matter how much of a good job he has or how nice he is, he'll always be subhuman. And that's the difference between him and the son. They both want to fit in, of course, but the son has an actual plan. That plan and hope and call to action is represented by the scholar's rock that the son carries with him constantly. Uh, 
in the gym scene, the father is cynical and tells the son uh, he has no plan because in the end, you're better off having no plan. And I think the son, Kiwu, refuses to believe this and he refuses to give up. Another amazing sequence is when the family sits in the living room and drinks and daydreams about living in the house as the rich family is uh, away camping. It reminded me again of uh, Kira Kurosawa's The Lower Depths. So many great juxtapositions between both poor families. Uh, Both live in a basement except one has a low view window so they could see life passing them by. And then later, while it, while the rich, well, in the rich family's home, they have a wide view of a backyard and grass. Now, my brother Amari, he had a good point. He said that even rain affects the poor and rich differently. You know, for the rich, they could sleep comfortably while it rains outside, and for the poor, it becomes a flood in their home. Um, and I want to talk about the title a little bit, um, maybe a little bit later, but um, it's a fascinating title, I think. Because is it makes me question, is it about having or wanting to be rich and having a rich attitude? Is that mentality a parasite? But I want to talk about that a little bit later. Um, and also, the movie reminded me of something that Elia Kazan always uh, preached about, which is objects in movies and how important it is. Uh, objects in movies kind of help tell a story and can be the MacGuffin and, and, and can be even used as props by the actors. And one example of this in Parasite is, of course, peaches and, and, and the peach. Another, another line of dialogue I liked is when the second Annie tells her family she'd be nice too if she was rich. It goes back to rich having a certain attitude about them and the poor family equating courtesy and politeness with money. Now, there were two shots that I remember after the first time I watched it. Um, one was the overhead shot tra- transition during the, the flood. And the tracking down or booming down from rich couple on couch to poor family under the table. And if you watch the film, of course, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, I've seen the film at least three or four times. And um, what really struck me uh, watching it these last few times is that the first image is a hole on a window that looks out, out at the street. A window of a basement. Then the camera tracks down and we meet our protagonist, Kiwu. And he's on his phone trying to get Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi today is like water. We need it. And uh, it's ubiquitous. And then I read the script. And it, it's really, uh, it just really uh, made me realize that it's so interesting that from the very first page, the very first scene, that what the family is after is access. And the first scene is access to Wi-Fi, which is ubiquitous. And then later, it becomes about access to wealth. Um... Uh, one of the moments that really uh, stood out to me were when uh, the family is looking out at the uh, exterminator out on the street. And the father uh, recommends that the family leave the window open so that they get free extermination. And uh, it just made me think that this is a survivor's mentality. Um, now, as the son, Kiwu, tries to bogart his way to get a pizza generation uh, or pizza time interview early in the movie he tries to best to convince her and he's very resourceful i noticed the sister enters the frame uh kijang or jessica and she cries the female uh pizza time employee and then the mom does the same they all crowd the pizza shop employee in the frame as the camera pushes in and this is a visual foreshadowing of what they're going to do later They're going to work together to get what they want and need.
One of my favorite shots is when the maid tries to wake up the rich wife. The glass window frame uh, frames them separately. Now, Kibu's first English lesson, where he's being watched by the rich wife mother, is probably where the girl, where the young girl, fell in love with him, because he compares dominating an exam as that is like slashing through a jungle. It's very dramatic. I've said it before, but the fact that Jessica creates a persona for herself to get the tutoring job, and we see her and Kibu practice her story details in song format that they memorized, it adds to her character. It adds depth. She becomes real. She is convincing. It lets us in, and it gives us a peek to who she is. She's willing to do whatever it takes to get this job. It's also interesting that the young girl tells Kevin that her younger brother, the song, is uh, pretending to be this artistic painting genius. Kevin, of course, uh, Kiwu, he's also pretending. She doesn't know it, and perhaps it's to add some suspense. Maybe she will find them out later. It's masterful from the very beginning, from the very opening. It's a zeitgeist film. Bong Joon-ho hit on a global universal issue and made it suspenseful and funny. Uh, Jessica creates this persona of a strict, assertive art therapist who's dismissive of the first nanny in a scene. She can get away with this because she knows the rich wife mother is desperate and on edge about her wayward uh, genius son, quote unquote. She knows she can demand any salary from her. Now, I want to mention, because I already um, kind of said it before but um just the global phenomenon that was parasite i don't think another film has done that since maybe pulp fiction um for like a year and a half the promotion and the release of parasite was everywhere online on tv and it's probably the phenomenon that was like the closest to what i imagined the phenomenon was for pulp fiction you know i wasn't alive for pulp fiction i was maybe like five years old but um it had to be that kind of uh, pandemonium. Um, now, Parasite is a movie about class issues hitting, hidden in the genre in a thriller. And it's kind of like the rise and fall story as well. Stylistically, I appreciated the fact that Bong Joon-ho um, had things like panning and slow zoom-ins. Um, and, and the fact that he edited in camera. Um, Jessica says about the first nanny, she may look like a sheep, but inside she's a fox. So Jessica knows what she's up against. And I've always found this scene where Kevin and his father are at a Benz dealership studying the interior inner workings at a Benz. Very amusing because it's father and son not only bonding, but they're prepping to take over the, uh, to, to infiltrate the, the rich, uh, family. Uh, no peaches at our house. It's forbidden fruit, the young girl tells Kevin. A lot of things in this movie and to Kevin's family is forbidden fruit. This house, this kind of access to wealth is a forbidden fruit. It's basically the haves and the have-nots and the have-nots get their day. Uh, there's a line in there. There's a line in the story that I also remember. I took a selfie from my wife and there she was behind me, <laughs> which is if you've seen the movie, you you know what I'm talking about. And of course, the whole peach allergy montage is very amusing and entertaining. And it's hilarious how Kiwu coaches his father's acting. The rich father, Nathan Park, tells Kevin's dad while he's driving that he can't stand people who cross the line. Kevin's family has done more than cross the line, though. They've infiltrated wealth. They've infiltrated a mansion and a rich family. In a pivotal sequence, Kevin's mom says that the rich wife is nice because she's rich.
not uh, rich and nice. Um, it's a great debate. Uh, it, it makes you think, is it true? Or is the, is the family rich? Or is the family nice because they're rich? Or are they nice and rich? Um, and again, it brings up the difference in the mentality of the lower class or the fact that they assume uh, rich people are nice because they're rich. And the film changes. Uh, Kevin's family's power changes when the old nanny returns, of course. And I find it very interesting that it happens during a rainstorm or a thunderstorm. And I remember rain or the rainy sequence in The Housemaid from 1960 being very pivotal. So this is very deliberate. The old nanny reveals to Kevin's mom that she has secretly fed her husband for four years in the bunker under the kitchen. Her and Kevin's mom have, have a lot more in common than they think. And Kevin's mom threatens to call the police, but the old maid begs for mercy. And we know and we knowing about Kevin's mom's very humble uh, beginnings and circumstances, she should show the old nanny some leniency or some understanding. They're in the same social class after all. And the old nanny's uh, husband is hiding due to debts. He mentions his or the Taiwanese uh, shop going out of business because of him. Now, I um, was wondering, is this the shop where Kevin's dad mentioned he worked at? If so, they're even more interconnected. When the movie came out and I saw it, I remember giving it a lot of credit praise for incorporating today's technology in it. For example, the rich dad or her husband working at a tech company. And the old maid using a text message as a threat. That's her weapon. Her husband, the old nanny's, uh, the old nanny's husband, says that the send button is like a missile launcher. The old uh, nanny and her husband versus Kevin and his family, they compete for wealth. They compete to serve rich people and be that close to wealth. They fight for each other. Is this the parasite? This mentality? They have to hide the old nanny and her husband. They have to secure their spot. And the movie is critical of the rich. Uh, the poor working lower class are right under you and you don't even know it. Kevin's dad says, how can you live in a place like this to uh, the first nanny's husband? And he responds, well, lots of people live underground. Has Kevin's dad forgotten where he lives? He's judging the old nanny and her husband, but he lives in uh, similar circumstances. The rich wife in a scene says to Kevin's mom that they say a ghost in the house brings wealth. Well, it brings a lot more than that. That ghost wants wealth and wealth brings lust, competition between the poor, deceit, greed. And then, of course, Kevin and his family are right underneath them, their noses. Uh, they are right underneath the living room table as the rich couple sleep, have foreplay on the couch. The poor have to hide and not even breathe as the rich live out in the open. Bong calls it uh, suffocating suspense, and it is. To add insult to injury, the rich husband talks about Kevin's dad's horrible smell that reminds him of the subway. It absolutely humiliates his dad. As he, hear this, as he hears this and we see his reaction, he shuts his eyes. To insult someone's natural smell is the closest thing to insulting their soul, I think. It absolutely crushes him. Now, Kevin, his dad, Jessica, escaped the mansion at night in the rain, and there's a wide shot of them running down public stairs. They're returning to the element. They're, re they're headed back to the bottom, the lower depths, back to where society says, says they belong. Kevin's dad tells uh, Kevin and Jessica, I've got my own plan. And I think that secretly hearing the smell insult, it changes him in the story. 
one of my favorite shots, uh, I think I mentioned it before, but one of my favorite shots and, and, and transitions are, is when the, the water rises in Kevin's basement home and it reaches the top of the screen and then it transitions to the next scene, which is an overhead tracking shot of residents walking through the flood water. I think you even see a dog swimming in the flood water. When Kevin later asks his dad what his plan is, his dad responds with a defeatist attitude. He says he has no plan because life never works out anyway. He's given up. Kevin, on the other hand, he's hugging his uh, scholar's rock very tightly. And I suppose the scholar's rock is the MacGuffin of the story and it prompts the action and is the driving force of the uh, drama. Kevin's dad drives the rich wife shopping for the birthday party and she's in the back seat and she rolls down the window. His dad instantly thinks it's him and comes come to think of it, he was in a flood and even if he showered, he slept in a gym. And full of people were, who were in a flood as well. So, so to be fair, he had to have smelled of something not so nice. After Kevin's dad stabs and kills the rich dad, we get an overhead slow motion shot of him walking down a flight of stairs and going into hiding. I haven't talked about this, but stairs as a visual motif are all over the movie. That's where the lower class exists under and underground and, and beneath stairs. Stairs represent or are a visual motif for the ladder of success expression. You're supposed to work your way up, but instead throughout the movie, we see Kevin and his family in order to survive, have to retreat back down the stairs. And in the end, that's where they end up. Him and his mom end up back in their basement. And, and his dad hides in the bunker. He has to. He's relegated back to the lower depths. When I first when I first watched it, like Kevin, I never suspected his dad would hide in the bunker. Now the ending, we see a fantasy sequence where Kevin and his mom reunite with the father. Kevin's plan is to make enough money to buy the house. The last shot was similar to the first shot of the movie. We track down from the basement window down to Kevin finishing a letter to his dad, and I think he even looks into the camera. There are a lot of layers to this film that you have to peel back with every viewing. You could write a book on just the marvelous slow motion sequences. In fact, I noticed a shot where there's a book on um, on Hitchcock in the da Rich Dad's library. And Bong takes what Hitchcock preached about in terms of putting a bomb underneath a table to create suspense. And he takes it to another modern level. Here, the bomb is a lower class family. I want to talk about uh, the DVD commentary, which I highly recommend. But I recommend you guys listen to it uh, maybe, after, maybe after you've seen the movie at least three times. Um, the DVD commentary on the Criterion version of Parasite uh, has Bong Joon-ho and film critic Tony Raines talk about the movie. Uh, Bong uh, explains that the two family homes were sets and that the flood sequence late in the movie is in a tank or swimming pool, which is incredible. And I also noticed that the foreshadowing of Min, a clean-cut college student maybe with money, and is Kevin's friend. He's yelling at the drunk outside of Kevin's basement window. And later in the film, this struggle of authority and social order will be between Kevin's family and the old maid and her husband. Uh, Bong uh, also mentions a high and low film by Kurosawa was an influence. And I think I already knew this before, but I haven't actually seen it. Bong made a film in college called Incoherence and a segment called Shaking Tokyo in 2008, which was a part of an anthology film. Bong says he wanted to complete the family's invasion of the rich family in 60 minutes. He says that the U.S. distributor of the host let him know what Bong meant, and he gave him a, a bong, and, and Bong had a 
hard time at a Korean airport, <laughs> which is a funny anecdote. Uh, Bong mentions having to keep the actor that plays the hidden husband sort of away from the main cast during the promotion of the film because of his role. He didn't want to give away any spoilers. Uh, Tony compliments Bong on keeping the pacing of the movie uh, always forward and always moving. The story doesn't stop for exposition, and it's true. That's why it's so energetic and fresh and electrifying. An example of this, of course, would be the Belt of Trust montage uh, sequence. Bong also says that uh, almost every car scene is CGI, which I kind of knew, so actors can concentrate. They shot it on a soundstage. Bong and Tony bring up the fact that when Kevin's dad gives Nathan Park the care business card, we already know and can imagine it was Jessica who designed it. Because before we see her work, her magic in Photoshop. Bong calls the uh, the poor family the house snatchers, which is pretty funny. And it was pretty amazing that uh, Bong used CGI when uh, Kevin's family is getting drunk in the living room to combine each actor's best take. I don't know if that's ever been done, but that's pretty incredible. I didn't even think about this, but it's very simple. And it makes sense that Bong suggests that the former nanny had been drinking since she got fired. So on the night that she returns to the house, she's probably drunk. Bong mentions he hates CCTV and high-tech devices because when it comes to screenwriting, he has to cover his bases since people will usually ask, why don't you just check the CCTV? And it's ironic he says this because I think the movie uses technology like texting in a new way. It's very suspenseful. Uh, it's a very suspenseful tool that he uses effectively. I also noticed that in the second part of the film, Kevin's family, each of them has a different plan for how to deal with the former nanny and her husband. They're not on the same page at all like when they infiltrated the Ridge home. Kijang, Jessica, and the mother, they plan to bring them a plate of food. And the father says he has no plan, but Kevin plans to use a scholar stone to perhaps kill them both. Uh, Bong reveals that he's close friends with the Japanese director Sakamoto Junji, who actually visited the set. Um, and Bong uh, says this expression about the ending, the garden party. He says that the explosion of violence is under the strongest sunshine, um, which provides a really great contrast. The, the, the violence provides a really great contrast when you put it up against the fact that it happens... Um, underneath a really bright sky and that he shares that the sequence the garden party it was shot during early september in korea because that's when you get the brightest sun he also shares that 998 shots are in the movie and almost and almost half of them are visual effects uh, he says that psycho was always an influence even for his film mother bong points out something that's interesting that i knew this subconsciously even consciously, but I say subconsciously because you don't think of this as you witness this uh, violent sequence. You're in such shock and horror, you don't think of it really. But uh, during the violence at the end, the rich family never knows the connection between the former nanny's husband and Kevin's family. Bong points out something else that's interesting. The fact that the movie starts with Kevin and Ki Jung trying to get Wi-Fi, and in the end, Kevin is communicating by Morse code, a primitive device. So it's like it's almost like back to basics for for this family. Uh, Bong says he screened and released a black and white version of his film Mother as well, which I did not know. He did this with Parasite too. 
is just a cinephile dream, he says, to work in black and white like the masters uh, Hitchcock, Renoir, and Kurosawa. And people have told him that in the black and white versions, they can focus on actresses' performances and faces more. Um, I would never not be in awe of Bong's use of humor and darkness. Bong apologizes to us and the dog for having the dog eat the sausage on the knife lodged in the former uh, nanny's husband. You hear his embarrassment, which is pretty funny. Um, Tony Raines describes Parasite and its worldwide global recognition as a phenomenon. Bong says, I didn't plan it, it just happened. Bong says nothing has changed really and that he's writing his next script. The commentary, uh, I highly recommend it because it's illuminating and wonderful because even though Bong storyboards and, design, and designs, the film, designs the film very carefully, you get the sense that he still allows for play between the actors, characters, and, and spontaneity. And Tony Raines is genuinely curious as to how Bong does it and how he works like we are curious. Like when Tony Raines asks him when or, or how does he decide when to push in in a shot or when to pan in a shot. And I forgot what Bong says, but you guys have to listen to it. Um, Bong does have a cinematic obsession with underground spaces. If I'm not mistaken, there is one in his first film, Barking Dogs Never Bite. And even in The Host, of course, I remember the monster hiding under a bridge or in a sewer. Um, and Bong, like I said before, he hit on something that resonated with a lot of people, a lot of countries and a lot of audiences. Um, it, it hit on, he hit on a zeitgeist, the feeling, whatever you want to call it, that just resonated with people globally. And that's rare, but it's special. Now, of course, I recommend the film, but I also recommend you guys buy the Criterion uh, DVD of the film because it comes with a lot of great uh, special features and a lot of great interviews on the making of the film. Um, and I also want to say, um, again, I apologize for the long delay. I know it's been almost a year and I haven't been uploading, but going forward, I'm going to try to at least upload uh, 50 episodes a, a year. And... Um, and yeah, so I hope you guys have been doing well and um, check out Parasite. Um, highly recommend it. Until next time, guys. Peace.